children. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. We will be here. This movie's so good, I might cry. Still crying in baseball? Crying on this bit. There's crying about this movie. No, no, no. I have been a Texas Rangers fan since 1989. There is crying in baseball. 100. Thank you. Hardest I cried in baseball was when the Cubs won the World Series after watching them suck since 1982 when I first started watching them or whatever. So. I, I'm totally with you, Melissa, on yeah. crying in baseball. Dude, 2011 oh. World Series. I oh. cried. Yeah. That's the worst sports cry ever. Yeah, for me personally. Yep. One strike yeah. away, dude. Yeah. One drop ball. Yeah. And But with that, definitely crying then, I guess, on this podcast. Uh, it's Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, a very special episode. Uh, because... <laughs> We are talking about a non-franchise movie that Melissa picked out for her birthday. Melissa, tell us why you picked Bull Durham. So, I love baseball. Okay, as you probably guessed by now. Um, those are- <laughs> um, I have been a Texas Rangers fan since 1989, as I said. And I've been with them through thick and thin. Mostly thin. A lot of... <laughs> Like, like very long time saran wrap thin newspaper thin you know really thin um and you know they made the playoffs a few times in the 90s didn't go well against the fucking yankees and i don't want to hear you i don't want to hear it it's my birthday movie how dare you (laughs) (laughs) no pride in the yankees today mark (laughs) Although I gotta say, even though they got out of two series in a row, I think it was ninety five, ninety six. They played the Yankees in the first round. Um, they only won one game <laughs> out of the seven games played between those two series. And the very first lucky. one, very <laughs> first game. And I remember, I will never forget it. My favorite baseball call of all time, other than the new one from the Rangers uh, game clinching World Series, but. Up till then, my favorite one was by Bob Costas. He said, um, because Juan Gonzalez hit a home run, and um, it was in Yankee Stadium, and Juan Gonzalez terrorized the Yankees only during the regular season, really. Um, Well, uh, during the playoffs, too, but he was the only Ranger who terrorized them. The other one sucked against the Yankees. But Bob Costas says, well, George Steinbrenner better check the deed because these days Juan Gonzalez owns the New York Yankees. And they proceeded awesome. to win a total of one game. Yeah, they won that game and then got the backdoor sweep after that. Yeah. Uh, but when you're a Rangers fan, that's kind of all you've got to hold on to is things like that. You know, like the Rangers in the 90s and the – 2000s and half the 2010s yeah that's all you got to hold on to basically um but anyway so uh this year the year of our lord 2023 my rangers defied all the odds and stunned everyone and won the fucking world series and so when it came time for me to choose a baseball movie my birthday being in early November and the Rangers in the World Series in early November, naturally it had to be a baseball movie. 
Um, and I and I went through quite a few movies. There's a, I mean, baseball more than any other sport has the best fucking movies. I I, I, I will yep. fight you on this, and Agreed. I don't think anybody should fight me on this because they'd be wrong. Um, is a and some of it is just the long history over a century, you know. But I think it's just there's a sentimentality to it as well that you just don't have with the NFL or the NBA. It's not quite the same. Mm. Um, so um, I thought about Major League, but Major League is a little too misogynistic for my taste sometimes um, in terms of like the treatment and how they portray the owner. So I was like, nah. Uh, I still like that movie a lot, but nah. Um and then uh, I thought about A League of Their Own, but I didn't want to cry. And I thought about <laughs> The Sandlot, and I didn't want to cry. <laughs> oh, Sandlot's um, the best baseball movie. Right. Um, one and two is Sandlot, and then this movie, Bull Durham. Um, this movie, it's baseball, but it's it's narrated by a woman. I fucking love that. Uh, because all the baseball movies are generally very male-centric, and the only time you see a woman, even in the Sandlot, as much as I love that, the only woman is the mom, right? I mean, yeah. that's it. And so, Wendy Peppercorn. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yes. But, Peppercorn. Yes. but it's, it's, you know, they're always male-centric. And like, um, like Field of Dreams, you know, it's about... Um, um, fathers and sons and baseball. They never mention daughters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that bothers me. And that's part of the reason why I hate that movie so much. Um, but you hate so it, really? I knew, yes, I don't like Field of Dreams. I don't wow. hate it, I guess, but I just, eh, you know? Wow. Um, There's some good performances. There's some good moments, but it's just too schmaltzy for me. I, <sighs> ugh. I think it's it, it just feels a little saccharine to me. Damn, I'm disappointed. I thought you would love that movie. No, no. I and oh. and I think some of it is you gotta look at this from my perspective as a female. All sports things are male centric all the time. And that one just more than most, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. Anyway, I do love Amy Madigan in it though. I love Amy Madigan in everything. Um she's awesome. Anyway, um, so it had to be Bull Durham. Um, it's it's from the point of view of a woman, um, a very smart woman who's not just the girl. You know, she she plays um, a part. She's very romantic. The movie is fairly romantic and not just about the game, about kind of life in general. And it brought it brings to the forefront like all these metaphors for life that are kind of hidden there in baseball in plain sight. And I just kind of love that. I, I love the romanticism. I love the comedy. Um, yeah, it, it had to be this movie because I just want to extend that baseball glow a little longer. Man, uh, I want to unpack some of that with you. Year. Okay, yeah. unpack. Well, first, I want to um, welcome Mark back to the podcast. Hey. We have missed you so much. And so glad you're here to talk about this. So familiar voice. Anything from Melly. The guy who played the bull in the movie is here with us. Um, that, that was me. I got, I got <laughs> stuck in the head with a pit. The clown pit's a bull. Yeah, so Mark, tell us what, what you thought. Um, honestly, and uh, Melissa and I are going to fight like always. Um, I think Bull Durham is one of my 
not not that I think I know it's one of my least favorite baseball related movies. How dare you? And wow. I, what? And I, and I think crazy. overall it like overall it's just not I never understood the appeal. I like the movie, but I don't love it. Uh I I do think uh, Field of Dreams is like streets ahead way better than, than Bull Durham. Um I, I don't know, there's just something about Bull Durham that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Which is which is interesting, Mark, because I I feel like those movies are so parallel. It's kind of like I can't stand the natural, right? Like I absolutely I agreed. I, I can't that stand movie. that movie, and I think it's for the same reason because the people I know who like the natural like Field of Dreams way more than other movies, and I think it goes to Melissa's your point. I love Bull Durham because it's romantic, like you said about baseball and about the nature of romance itself. Right. Like what do you, yeah. what draws you to baseball is what also what draws you to humanity and right. All these other things. And that's why Susan Sarandon's character is so unique because she's talking about how many of us love baseball because it's also an essence of what we love about life and other people. Right. And like, that's why I loved so much the playoffs because it was all of us being able to love, even if we weren't necessarily Rangers fans, right. We were able to love baseball together as all of us yeah and i i think the the hard (laughs) thing i have with field of dreams mark is the same thing i have with hoosiers it's just so weirdly midwesty you know what i mean it's very midwestern yeah and i mean i love i think field of dreams is a great movie i think hoosiers is a great movie but i don't have the love for it like i do bull durham and i i think that's why because bull durham is a movie about existence and you know i weirdly like those kind of movies i also I also love Major League, but I agree with you, Melissa. That's one of those movies that's just about baseball and everything else you should try to forget because it's so horrible. (laughs) So I love the baseball parts of Major League, and then the rest of it, I'm like, let's fast forward this and get back to Jobu before he takes my power away or whatever. I love Major League because it lampoons uh, baseball because sometimes baseball can be taken way too seriously. Case in point, The Natural. I I agree with y'all. I yeah. really do agree with y'all. Uh, the Natural is probably one of my least favorite baseball movies. And, you know, at Rangers, uh, the Rangers ballpark, they play that theme song for The Natural whenever <laughs> a Ranger hits a home run. And I'm just like, no! no, no. Uh, well, it's, I still love you, playing Creed. I never would want to say, please play okay. Creed instead yeah. of something. But... I, was about, yeah. I was about to say that idea. I was about like, is there okay with Creed? Like, oh, come on. I can <laughs> just say before I forget, uh, before I forget, um, because I, you know, I might, I might forget at the end of this or something, especially if Marco and I fight. Um, <laughs> but I just want to say thank you to you guys for kind of commiserating with me this this season especially last month in october during the playoffs um i i know you're not a rangers fan exactly jb but you know you were there talking and and just you know um kind of being there and then especially andy i com- i c- recruited andy <laughs> to become awesome. <laughs> a rangers fan and, and basically i said you know you'll never be bored <laughs> i think is kind of how i sold them to him bandwagoner um, that was and yeah. and uh he came on board he's not a bandwagoner I'm just he is you. not they they lost 94 games last season. You come on at the beginning of the next season. That is not a fucking bandwagoner, Marco. You <laughs> shut your like, trap right now. We're starting, to, we're starting to fight already? Jesus. Oh, it, it was, was, 
yeah, there they was won, nothing. They more lost fun. a combined almost 200 games over the last two seasons before this year. He is not a bandwagoner, my dear. <laughs> anyway, so yes, Andy, um, for staying faithful with them and even cheering for them over the Orioles, who I know you were kind of a fan of before. Uh, it it was fun sharing the season with you guys. Thank you. No, thank you. And it it, like, you made it so much more fun because like, that's part of why I like bull Durham because it's, again, it's baseball is a connecting piece. Right. And it was so fun to see how much you enjoyed the season, the highs and the lows. Right. And Andy to see you get into it and be like, damn, like this is why you guys like baseball so much. Right. Like it was just, it was, it was a great pleasure um, to watch that postseason, especially with friends. So I hope you guys are in it next year too, so we can yes. do some watch parties, yeah, um, and and hang out and and watch some games together because it was it was I, it was a treat. I always knew how and how uh, Melissa's she her knowledge of baseball is so in depth. Like I could never compete with that. But I was really impressed with how much JB like understands baseball, like I. Because we talk a lot of shit about basketball and football, but we we never talk baseball. No, and and especially during the playoffs, like JB knows his shit. Oh, yeah. Wow, especially right. when it's a team that he doesn't even root for. Like he had stats down and everything. I was like, God damn, JB. It my yeah. Andy knows my biggest flaw was I spent most of my childhood reading the backs of baseball cards. So <laughs> yep, that's awesome. It is we it all is. did we all did as kids, and yeah. that brings me to this point. Uh, uh, Mel said that. She doesn't like. Uh, uh, she's not too crazy about Field of Dreams because it's very male centric. It's 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 very father and son. But that's the thing with baseball. Like baseball has always been that. And and I, I'm not. I don't mean to exclude the 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 female experience and, and and little girls who love baseball. Fucking love that. But for the most part, uh, when you go out and especially in the summer and you see families doing things, it's always a dad throwing a baseball to a kid and they're, they're, you know they're just pitching at each other like it, there's that weird connectivity in baseball between a father and a son uh that, that it transfers so well to field of dreams and that's what makes field of dreams so damn good for me because there's that there's that deep connection uh bull Durham doesn't have that what bull Durham does have what i really appreciate about bull Durham is that it represents life here in the united states uh this in this country you're only as good as you are as long as you're producing and as long as whatever entity you're producing for has need for you the minute they don't have need for you they fucking toss you out which is what happens to kevin costner's uh character they needed him to work with uh with a uh, meat or what, what, what was his name? oh with a, a nuke uh yep. to to get him to pitch right once he does that and Nuke moves on to the big show, then he's like, he's not needed anymore. It doesn't matter that uh, one more home run, he would have hit the, a total of 200. It, w- it was a milestone for him. They didn't give a shit. Like, you, you, no, you no longer have a use for us. You're gone. And I think that represents the United States very, very well. And the fact that they did that in a movie with baseball, which is so embedded with U.S. Uh, society... Uh, I think it's freaking perfect. Now, you know the bone I had to pick, and uh, Mel's going to scream and she's going to kick my ass uh, <laughs> because she's she really likes. She said she really likes this movie because it's female centric and we get the point of view of, of Susan Sarandon. But she gets tamed at the end. 
by Kevin Costner. And if that isn't one of the most uh, like masochistic things ever, that she's a person, but she becomes relatable when he tames her and he controls her at the end. Like, I want to know your perspective on this. How does that work out? So you mean that he changed her? You think that he was the he does. He, he does change How her. How so? Because she's, she's all about, like, living in the moment. She's going to sleep with whoever she wants to sleep. And it's always the hot hand in the team. But here comes a, which, a nobody, because he is a nobody. And he gets her to accept him on his terms. And he gets her to stop. Well, we don't know the, the true end, but at the end of the movie, she's a, she becomes a one-man one gal. Well, she's a one-man gal for the entire season. Regardless. For the entire season, but that's like, come yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. I, Serial monogamy is different than, you know, just being a player. Yeah. yeah. I kid. Hi, Welcome. Marco. Hi, kid. Thank you for coming to my bite small movie. That I loved your baseball movie. I have stuff to say after you go, Melissa, okay. about Susan Sarandon. So, it's a, well, I don't believe that he... Start, it's, a, it's a little bit like Kiss Me, Kate, isn't it? Uh, or she, uh, no, Taming she, of the Shrew. She's not being it's, it's, held... She's she not being held without true. food and water because no, 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 she I, won't I said, shut I said, up. Uh, That's a, a bad bit. analogy. Go back. I, I said, said, I said a little bit. No, that was a bad move. <laughs> I did say a little bit. I didn't Don't say let exactly. Mark date God. Because in Taming the Shrew, Kiss Me Kate, uh, like she is very fierce. She's super independent. Uh, she does things her way. And at the very end, uh, it's Richard Burton's character that tames Elizabeth. Uh, what's her name? She's Elizabeth Taylor. Face. Elizabeth Taylor. He ends up taming her. But does he? Really? He, well, the, the way it, the way the story ends, the way the movie ends, is is the big question. Like, who's who's really taming who? Uh, but it's a little bit like that. This movie. I said a little bit. Don't freak out on me. No. Where where she's a certain way, and at the very end, Kevin Costner gets what he always wanted, which is the girl uh, on his terms, and he makes it happen. Um, I, I don't even think it's a little bit like Taming of the Shoe, but right. I I understand where you're coming from because you tend to take things to like the extreme. Um, when it comes to me, like things I said, you you misconstrue them sometimes and whatever. You miss that, don't you? I think you're you're misconstruing what happened oh, here. Um, <laughs> look. She's fallen in love. I mean, there's they they fall for each other. So when you fall in love, you do change some. It changes you a little bit. It's always going to do that. Now, do people make sacrifices in relationships? Yeah, they do. Okay. But I don't think she became a different person. Do you think she's less smart, less no. literate, less fierce now just because she fell for a, a baseball player no but she abandons her her like i don't want to say she abandons her free will because that's not what's happening but the person that she is who's who's very free and open and you know liberated she she gets with him on his terms because from the very beginning 
She brought both guys. She brought Nuke and and uh, what's his name, Kevin Costner. Crash. Crash. Jesus Christ, I don't know why I'm forgetting so many names. But she brings them both, and Crash is like, you know what? I'm out. It's either me or him. And if you're not if you're not free to oh, to choose me, then I'm out. And you're and I know you're always gonna want me, but I'll. I'll be here when you come to your senses. See, and, I and think the, the way it is, she got her, she got it both ways. She got the one that she could have for this season, and she got him. That's what I was thinking too. Okay, because he left because he was like, I don't want to compete with this numbskull. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and so she, got she her was both. like, Yeah, she got both of them, and uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't see that all. Hey, kid, yeah. jump in because I, yeah, I wasn't. I think I saw it differently too. So what I saw was both of them kind of realizing, oh, shit, I'm in my 30s. Um, It makes me feel old. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. uh, Yeah, and it did. It made me feel old. (laughs) But, like, you have Kevin Costner, who's been in the minors for 10 years. And, you know, this is, is, like, went up to the show, and now he's back after, I guess, being out for a while. So he's getting later in his baseball career and he knows it. And I think part of it is yes. Susan Fran- San- uh, Susan Sarandon fell in love because like there were a couple of lines that Kevin Costner had that I was like, oh, my stars and garters, I need new panties. Um, but, and so it's like, who's not gonna, you know, who's not gonna wanna get with that? But I think Kevin Costner is, is basically making an argument for like i'm not interested in a one season thing because i'm moving on i think he's like i want something long term i i want love he believes in love um and that's really beautiful and i think susan sarandon kind of come does kind of come around to his way of thinking because he's so good in bed but i also think that she is realizing at the same time like she's been a hot piece of ass doing this pattern for i'm gonna say probably at least five years because she is well known and has like all the stuff but i think she's realizing like oh maybe i'm getting too old for this shit (laughs) i and the only way to be liberated isn't to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again people change they evolve yep and it's the choice she yeah. Choice. yeah. And, does and she I, still have agency at the end of the film? Absolutely. Fuck yeah, she does. Well, so, and yeah. I was kind of thinking about your other point, Mark, where you were talking about, you know, it's it's indicative of the US. I almost think of it as there's a point where we all get to when we realize that existence is about something that's not what we do for a living. Right? And I think okay. what you see at the end of the film is crash goes I can't be a ball player the way I want to be anymore. But what I have realized is I'm this person. Right. And I think he goes to Susan Sarandon's character and says, I'm this person. If you want to be with someone like this person, because he's very aware of it. He's like, listen, I can't play ball anymore. I don't, maybe I'll coach, maybe I'll do whatever, but what I want to be is just me. Right. And she's like, well, I've already been me this whole time. So because <laughs> that's what I felt. Melissa. I was like, she's already been this self-actualized person. Right. She's known exactly what she's wanted the whole time. And it's kind of a place where I think he finally goes, I get to be the person 
I've always wanted to be. And they come together in kind of this really nice two people who are moving along a journey, right, towards better actualization. So I, I kind of saw it more as I think we're all and we laugh about it when we text, right? Because we're like, gosh, I don't want to be my career and I don't want to be my right. job. And what am I? And here's Crash going, I'm just this dude. I don't know what tomorrow is, but I know I'm happy with you and I want to be here with me as this person and you as this person. So I don't know, you know, Melissa and Kit, I, I, I kind of felt like it was, that's what that romance of existentialism that I like about this movie was at the end because they weren't worried about who they were on the ball field, right, Kit? They were just two people who wanted to be with each other. So I kind of like that part of the movie anyway. Well, y'all made it more romantic, and I, I don't appreciate it. I, I love the romance. <laughs> I thought the yeah. romance of the end was so realistic and fun, except I would be pissed if I had to clean up all those Cheerios. Dude, I mean, with milk everywhere? Yeah. I, I, like, I draw the line. The I draw title. the line. <laughs> That's no. going to be in the rock for a while. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't need milk in my crap. And it's humid down there, so now I got sweaty milk. <laughs> And you know that's not the only reason that floor was oh, sticking. Oh, three seasons of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I I agree with I I know where you're going with it, Mark. But I I saw it as more of two two people, one who is very self actualized, and one who finally got there. Like, let's see where this goes. I like um, that. I, I like that. And, and, then and milk, I also feel like sweaty it, Georgia milk all over the goddamn place. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is also that like great romantic conceit of opposites attracting and like her like very spiritual, like pan religious views on the universe that are like kind of new agey kind of all over the place but there and then he's like no these are the things that work for me and this is what i believe in and the the two of them you know come together and it's it's this great you know meeting of opposites that's um i don't know it's it's cute i mean i think that's you know that's the basis for so many romantic comedies I choose to see it like she got it both ways. She made one of them wait. She made the better one wait while she daddled with, diddled with the other one and then got the, the good one at the end. That's badass. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Well, I that's always true. laugh at all the stuff she makes Nuke Lelouch do because in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, Crash would love that. Like, oh, Crash would love that. You know what I mean? Right. So he's doing this. Right. He's doing this he, stuff to Nuke Lelouch. And the whole time I'm like, Oh, I bet you could tie Crash up and he would let you read to him all night. You know what I mean? Rose goes in the She's missing out. She's missing out on the guy who would love to do all this stuff. (laughs) But also, she wants a project. She's a project bitch. And like Kevin Costner's like, I'm not a project. I am who I am. And like, he's not going to be bossed around or corrected because he doesn't need to be he already like he already is his best version of himself you know just not recognized i guess by the by the show um but whereas like nuke is like oh gosh you're just all sorts of 
dirty Play-Doh. <laughs> dirty Play-Doh <laughs> on the kitchen floor with some sweaty milk. Oh. <laughs> oh, gross. No swamp ass. Just no. 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 Wash my hands. no. 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 This is turning into way too visual of a podcast. <laughs> Uh, have we stumbled into the after dark podcast <laughs> yeah this is we have to put this part on the patreon where we show us all mopping up milk in aprons <laughs> uh, but no I, I i think andy you're 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 coming where i came from when i first when i first saw the movie i i agree i was kind of but i saw it when i was really young and i went oh the baseball part of this is really yeah. funny but i didn't get it and, and i think it was when i watched it in my 20s i went this is maybe one of the most realistic transition relationship movies you know you'd see in a pulpy hollywood right because you're right kid it's two people who are who really are great for each other who have who are well centered and they just need the right moment to make it work right and it's really kind of it's it is it's cute it's just really cute how it ends um you know, and you get porch swings and you get candlesticks and you get Tim Robbins butt and you get all the stuff in the way. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, you know where the movie fails for me? Tim Robbins uh, butt? No, no, no. I, oh, sorry, I, I thought we were transitioning. Not here. enough naked shower. More I, Tim Robbins butt for Mark. I, I can appreciate, I can appreciate Tim oil. Robbins butt. More but, cereal. <laughs> more cereal. Let's milk. <laughs> Let's milk more Wheaties. <laughs> uh, where where the movie oh. fails for me is anytime Kevin Costner's around. I, I can't stand Kevin Costner, guys. Oh, wow. The, his delivery. And uh, Andy, we've had this conversation before. His, his delivery in almost every movie is almost like he's bored. And I just can't stand that, man. I, I really can't. I, I, I can appreciate some of the movies he's in and where he brings some gravitas. But for the for the most part, like he, it's kind of like he's dialing it in. He always seems so bored with the role, like there's always something missing with him, Uh, and uh, I just I can't stand the dude. Which is funny because I think this is the role that best represents him. Like, like I think every role around this, I think this is this is Kevin Costner. Because if if you watch, he he loves baseball movies, and his character in For Love of the Game, exact same character. His character in Field of Dreams, essentially same character, not as funny, but like he plays all of the baseball people exactly the same. So I honestly without passion, man, and there's no passion in his eyes. But he's not an actor in this movie. He's he's playing a baseball player. You know what I mean? Like it's just he's not he's not dances with wolves, right? He's more Waterworld um, in this because he's he's sweaty with cereal milk. But anyway. I mean, I mean, you, you kind of that's like this was one of the first Kevin Costner roles I ever saw. And I was like, oh, OK, so this is Kevin Costner. And he didn't disappoint me because, like you said, this this was the Kevin Costner I knew. And he kind of stayed there. Um, but I, I, I mean, I think this role more than any. He's just he's a 38 year old catcher with no knees stuck with Tim Robbins. Right. Like. I, I I don't know. I, I know where you're coming from, but I kind of felt like that's how I would probably act in this. Bro, movie. he does this better. Th- this whole like uh, I'm too old for this. I need to switch in life. Uh, here comes the 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 right woman. 
He does that better in Tin Cup than he does in this movie. Wait, see, and that's the same character for me, right? Like, but, but he he actually emotes in that movie, in this movie, and in Field of Dreams, and in Waterworld. He just doesn't emote. He's just like he's like robotic almost, and I can't stand that, man. <laughs> I. I get a I get a kick out of the casting of this whole movie. I I feel like there's yeah so Robert much, Wall is dude. I there's so much good Robert casting. Wall. Oh my god, the gosh. whole team. It that's the same reason I like Major <laughs> too. Like everybody's always... casted so well. Uh, it, you know, even Corbin Burnson in Major League. Like, what the hell is he uh, doing? But he works. Uh, I know. <laughs> but I yeah, I, I just I, this the the whole casting <laughs> of this. Um, everybody just makes and Bob Euchre is even in it for hell's sakes. Like, Dude, you yeah, can't pass up the uke. Yeah, the uke. <laughs> the uke. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's varying levels of where the acting works or doesn't work in this, but um, I, I all the characters are just really likable, which is pretty rare to say. And um, yeah, even the even the the Bible thumper guy. Or you know, or the Millie Thumper, depending on what part of the movie you're Whichever watching. part, which, oh, yeah, exactly. They he came around. Tendencies. He came around in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> but but even he's yeah, kind of like, and, and I usually hate Bible Thumpers in anything. But, like, he's he's likable. So you're right. Like, the, 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 the cast really makes this movie. So, Sarandon is awesome. Yeah. I, I love seeing how Tim Robbins' character, uh, how, how well they developed him. Like he's just pure fucking ego at the, at the very beginning and how he's humbled and how he sees life toward the end. And he gives credit without using his name to Kevin Cosner's character uh, during that interview. Like, I, I really love that. Um, but I just can't stand Kevin Costner. I mean, I, I, I want to know what Mel thinks about this. Melissa, where do you come down on the Kevin Costner debate? <laughs> So I I like him. I mean, I like this movie. Not a big Field of Dreams fan, as you know. Um, I I adore Yellowstone and all of its little offshoots so far. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I don't have an issue with the guy because I don't think I could watch. What are they on the sixth season now of Yellowstone? If I didn't like him, um, I i or i sort of see where margo's coming from but it doesn't bother me like everybody's you know got their style um you know jack is jack right you know and that's and actually that's the one that annoys me is jack nicholson being jack in all his movies because it just isn't always appropriate but i think when he does the kind of i think what it is is somebody who's like laid back and sure themselves like like we literally catch um, you know, Annie coming in and yelling at Crash while he's ironing, which traditionally, <laughs> traditionally has been a female thing, right? Yeah. But he looks totally comfortable doing it because he's just comfortable in his own skin. And people like that don't need to, like, get a rise. You know what I'm saying? They don't need to emote if they're just sort of themselves and, and don't let things bother them. Um that's what this character is now. If you have an issue with that kind of portrayal in other movies, great. But I think it's perfect for this movie. Okay, I hear you. I'm trying yeah. to see who she lost to in the Golden Globes because I don't. I'm always trying to think of who's who did a better role this year than her. 
Um, oh, Melanie Griffith in Working Girl. Stop it. Whoa. Stop um, it. Now, if you're going to give it to anybody, you can give it to Jamie Lee Curtis for A Fish Called Wanda, but not Melanie Griffith over Susan Sarandon. Stop it. Oh, wow. Well, uh, I don't know. Working Girl's pretty. It, it is. Yeah, I mean, it is, but listen. Like, you got Fish Called Wanda and Bull Durham up against it. At least Michelle Pfeiffer from Married to the Mob did. <laughs> that movie Although sucked. she's yeah. pretty good at that. But yeah. I know, but that movie sucked. Um, that's like, that's, good. <laughs> that's wow, the Tom that's Hanks big it. year. That was the big year where the big one, all kinds of uh, Rain Man. And deservedly so. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. I, he was up for screenplay for the Oscars too, wasn't he? For this? Yeah. Interesting. Wait, 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 wait. Costner wrote the screenplay that. too? No, it was uh, no, Ron, uh, Ron Shelton. Yeah, the guy who, who was, who was, who was in the minor well. leads. Yeah, he was. Basement. I think that's why this feels pretty realistic. Yeah, he was. He wrote it while he was after okay. he retired, and right? It's, speaking of realistic, uh, Mel, one time on ESPN, this was years ago. They were talking about Bull Durham. Uh, it was one of the the, the baseball coverage uh, programs, and they said, "Hey, I have a I have a question for you." Uh, I forgot. Uh, was it? No, it wasn't Joe Torre. They were asking one of the old skippers uh, how true it what how true was it that uh, they talk absolute bullshit in the mound when when they when the catcher goes up to speak to the pitcher, and they're like, "Oh, you know, that's very very accurate." He's like, "That happens." <laughs> All the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said several times I, I went up there and they're talking about some girl that, that that's in the second row. And I'm like, guys, we have a game to play. <laughs> yeah. So so I, I do appreciate how they, they brought in the realism in this movie. Yeah. It's why we now have limited timeouts and the pitch clock. Yeah. <laughs> the lollygaggers. The goddamn lollygaggers yeah. made fucking game like seven hours long. Get some candlesticks. Yeah. And move on. Okay, so they he lost. He was okay. Writing screenplay directly for the screen. Him, fish called Wanda, big running on empty, and they lost. Oh, they lost to Rain Man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, Rain Man kind of swept everything that year. Gross. Yeah, yeah. Took over. Uh, Oscar bait. Crazy. Well, I mean, a good movie, but yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Not a good movie. Yeah. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit won everything else for some reason. God knows why. Because that movie rules. Very too. scary. Bob Hoskins should have been because... the skipper in this movie. Hmm. That would have been awesome. Come on, guys. That would have been awesome. Imagine two, him screaming lollygaggers. Come two, on. Too too short. What? I think. Too short. Have you seen I would have, Yogi Berra? Too I would have rather had the guy from Major League. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I thought Robert Wool was my was the he best. He was really good. Yeah, he, he was really good. Right? I can't. I can't. That's him. that's the problem. Is Robert Wool is the assistant coach, like sort of over um, outshines the the main skipper who's played by Trey Wilson. And yeah, and he I doesn't just, get as much screen time, really, does he? He just kind of impart the wisdom but he makes the most out of it with the few minutes he has for sure wool just wools it up yeah he wools it up <laughs> <laughs> it's like perfect it's like everybody knew what they were getting when they brought robert that's, wool in that's that how part. he got vicky vale <laughs> his smooth manager skills absolutely 
I guess in his pre-artist days. Is this the the last movie he does before Batman? Does this get him Batman? I wonder if this got him Batman. That that is an interesting question. Like, where was yeah. the Batman filming in the spectrum of this? Because it was always weird that he was in Batman. I'm like, why is Robert Wool in this? And then I'm like, oh, why not? He did a bunch of good stuff right before it, right? So, <laughs> I mean, and he's, I mean, he's kind of doing the same thing in well, Batman. In the, in the Good Morning Vietnam, he, you know, he was in Good Morning Vietnam right before this too. So, you, oh, you got a yeah. one, two, you got a really good one too. I don't remember him in Good Morning Vietnam. He was like Marty or whoever. Oh damn! Mm. Then he was in blue. Then he was in blue chips, which everybody loved. (laughs) Sure, another classic sports movie. Our favorite basketball movie. Everyone remembers. (laughs) Everyone remembers blue chips. That greatest basketball movie. Man, the steal of basketball, right, Andy? (laughs) We were we were talking about this as we we did uh, JB and I did the in memoriam podcast uh, a on Richard Roundtree and we watched Steel with Shaquille O'Neal. Because Roy's likes to torment us. With God, terrible it's, a movie. it's a horrible and, movie. And we were we were talking about basketball movies and like the the sort of dearth of like really great basketball movies. And uh yeah. Um there are there are good basketball movies, but we're like blue chips, like not no, not one of them. Not one of them. Yeah. Not anyway, baseball movies though. Yeah, Melissa. Melissa was right. I yeah, think, I do think baseball this is a good one. The yeah, best movies. Um. Uh, and it crushed what? at the box office. I was always surprised at how much money this made. I was also surprised at how cheap it was, considering how many good actors they had in it. But yeah. I guess you don't I need mean, a lot for. Um, location filming right yeah i mean it i i I guess the the thing is like for the time it did pretty well the um the the actual numbers are not like super amazing but they're really respectable and yeah off of a five million dollar budget like um or wait no i I don't know what the budget was was it nine nine and they made 51 Jeez, yeah, that's what I remember, which is not bad. That's way more than Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> I fucking hate the Angels. I hate I it. Oh, Mel, God. God. Rookie of the Year and Angels in the Outfield. The I two fuck those movies. movies. I hate that movie. Come on, Tony Danza. Flap your wings behind me. Let's get this done. Uh, uh, uh. Little baby Joey Yo, Gordon-Levitt not doing it for I you. Think no. Even if I didn't hate the the... Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I would still fucking hate that movie. Seriously. Ugh. That's now that's a schmaltzy movie. Yeah. Like if you think movie. if you think Field of Dreams or this movie is schmaltzy, yeah. pick up Angels in the Outfield or Rookie of the Year. Oh, so bad. Rookie of the Year is oh my God. He invented Tommy John surgery before there was Tommy John surgery. The little, the little twelve year I always feel. I I think my general problem, and that's why I think that's another reason I like this movie so much. Baseball movies after this point are are really. It's like the subject material isn't deep enough to really make a good movie. Like I remember watching The Rookie with Dennis Quaid, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is a 25 minute TV episode. 
why is this movie an hour and 50 minutes long? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Rookie of the year. This is a 22 minute after school <laughs> special. Why are we? So I, I, I think this is a really good period and all the movies we've talked about are so good because they, they have a much deeper story to tell, you know, the sandlots and, and fill the dreams in this. And then they just kind of baseball movies just kind of get fairly disappointing after this. And I, I think it's just because they don't understand, like you said, Melissa, they don't understand the value of the baseball story, like how it ties in to culture and feeling and things. And instead they just throw biopics at us um, that don't, don't really have anything to them. Whoa, whoa. Okay. So let's back up there. Cause there's, there's some great biopics out there. Uh, the Ty Cobb story. 41 well, that was, was well, that was, oh, 40, 40, yeah 42 with uh 42 was uh, yeah, yeah 42 uh but yeah. B- both of those are freaking fantastic. but that ty cobb was that was i think that was still in the 90s wasn't it i don't remember when it came out i don't remember the like ty the, cobb movie because like the black Sox one was really good but that was you know 91 i feel most, most sports movies these days are slick Oh, good. That's you a good thing. Um, yeah. I, I don't like that because I, I guess growing up a sports fan, I sort of, as sports is like how my grandpa and I bonded and my grandpa was the closest thing I had to a dad. So like the slickness, the flashiness, it does okay. not appeal to me. Yeah. You know, like um, the Spurs, and I know that uh, Marco can attest this, the Spurs, when they were on their, you know, championship, like, well, every other year they never actually defended their championship, but like um, they won it in 03, 05, 07, and people hated it outside of San Antonio. A lot of people hated it because they weren't flashy. They were a defense first team more than anything, and that's how they won. That's how they 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 kept winning. And um, they played real he, basketball. Yeah, and I think old school people loved them and adored mm-hmm. them and they adored somebody like tim duncan who just you know played the fundamentals you know um he i mean you know um he yeah he dunked sometimes and stuff but he was never a flashy player ever he had some endorsements but he wasn't it it wasn't slick because you know that's just not who he is and so maybe i just have a better appreciation for that i don't know but I I've never liked that, and I just feel like most sports movies these days are very slick. And this kind of shows the grime, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. being on those minor league buses, um, you know, uh, the fungus on the shoes, like yeah. literal grime. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it, it's that's what I love about this. But sports movies today, they're just they're all about the flash, the money, and ugh, no. Well, and, and the I do think... side of it too, like the, you know, that Billy Bean movie. What, what the fuck was it called? Moneyball. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, not appealing to me. The business sides, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I I I agree with you, and I think it was also really smart because at at its heart, I feel like baseball is a more like romantic game in terms of how people feel about it and relate to it. Going back to Mark talking about, you know, thinking about dads throwing balls with their sons and that how that's all just wrapped up into this, this, this nostalgia and this sense. And I think one of the really smart things about this movie 
is setting it in in the minor leagues yeah. and and the baseball elements of it are they're not a complete afterthought like we know what's going on in the season and that's kind of part of it the ups and downs but that's not what the story's really about yeah. even though it is about the baseball it's really not about the baseball and it's but it makes this really great backdrop to it and um you know you take something like i guess i can say this uh with with brooke not here cuz i don't know if uh, she cares about this movie or not, but Fever Pitch, Ugh. just like, like. <laughs> well, first of all, Barks. I don't care about Jimmy Fallon, but second, oh, Jimmy Fallon, God, Barks. God, and but, I love Drew Barrymore, but fuck I do love Drew Barrymore. Barktastic. But the, the sad thing is that the American Fever Pitch was more entertaining than the British oh, Fever man. Pitch, and I say that as someone who fucking loves Colin. Yes, oh, wow. I did not like Ooh, that Barks. movie. I did not. The original, yeah, that original one with Colin Firth. Even he couldn't save that movie. It sucked. Yeah, well, it I really like the book so much, and I like the concept, but I think it would work better with like a smaller team, if like the guys just really into if it was more like Ted Lasso. Yeah, more like Ted, oh, Ted yeah. Lasso. I think Ted Lasso gets it because it you get that same sense of romanticism because. It's all about being scrappy and an upstart. And if you're going to have a love story, like that's the backdrop that you want to put it on. If you try to, like, I, I say this not to invoke anything from Mark, but you set it against the backdrop of the glitz and glamour of the New York Yankees. Barf. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work in the same way. Um, and I, I, so I think that's really smart. So there's, and I, I love that part about a, this. Movie. There's a difference in movies that show, uh, like when we're talking about baseball, you know, uh, when it, when it deals with the show, when, when we're talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox and all that, as compared to like minor league teams, the movies that focus on minor league teams are always going to be better. Like for me, for my money, the best football movies the best football movie and the best baseball movie have nothing to do with pro sports. It's the Sandlot. It's about kids and little giants. It's about kids because oh, when, yeah. you t when, when you focus on the purity of the sport and the joy that comes with it, and it's always with kids, those make the best stories. Those make the best movies. And I love them to that. I can quote the Sandlot from beginning to end. And the same thing with little giants. Like I can quote them because the, the joy of the sport really comes through. And that's the one thing Bull Durham gets right. Like, there is that joy of baseball, how for these guys, baseball's life, that's all That's all it is for them. Like, it's Who their entire it? life. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, Emil. You were no, talking? yeah. No, I, I agree completely. And I think even as a fan, like, none of us here have ever been – a professional sports player right so we can't relate to that but we we still love the game and we can relate like i think to being a fan in those stands because you stick out a little more it's small it's intimate and okay my first baseball game ever was actually dodger stadium uh because we lived in california for a few years um but i don't have like really vivid memories i was very young and the 
the biggest thing I remember is that I got lost. I got like separated from my mom because there were way too many people. Like it was like standing room only because Fernando Valenzuela was pitching. And uh. <laughs> um, I, I just got separated from her and I started crying and somebody had to help me find my mom, you know? Um, but I remember going to minor league games very vividly. Um, it, they, the missions, the double A team here in town used to play at um, the baseball stadium at St. Mary's university. They didn't even have their own stadium at the time. It's called VJ key field. And you could go for 50 cents each in the upper decks in the stands. Those, those wooden stands were rickety as fuck. You were probably taking your life in your own hands, but it was cheap and it was fun and entertaining. And you just, you know, if you're going to put up with that, you, you know, climbing all those stairs, knowing that your foot might go through one of those wood planks, you know, like you, you love the game if you're going to do that, you know, uh, and it's hot as fuck. It's South Texas, you know? So you have, like, I think part of the reason why I love this movie is because it is set in the minor leagues, like Andy said. That's one of the smartest things about this movie. Um, setting it in the minor leagues makes it more um, relatable. And, and, you know, I movies in a lot of ways are like a fantasy, but this the only part of this that feels like a fantasy is the happy ending. The rest feels kind of real. And the people in those stands... Um, it feels kind of real to me, you know, um, it's, I, I can relate to that. I have fond memories of going to those minor league games. Um, my, one of my favorite ones, I think I might have told you guys about this before. Um, at that VJ key field, they had this big, huge, like, I felt like a mile long barbecue pit called big Bertha. And sometimes if the wind picked up just right, it took all the smoke out onto the field and they'd have to call time. Because oh, there was so oh. much smoke from the barbecue <laughs> on the field. I mean, your eyes were like burning, you know, and you were like, ah, it's the smoke. And oh, but you take a bite of your taco between crying, you're wiping away the tears from all the smoke. Because those, those brisket tacos were fucking good, man. Um, we all have fond memories of Big Bertha and all the food that she gave to us at those games, you know. And it's just, it just felt real like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's one of the things I love about this movie. And there are definitely happy endings. Woo, watch oh, out for cereal. <laughs> Is there ever? <laughs> Dang it. I couldn't resist. <laughs> no, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> no, I think, and I think, Melissa, you hit on a really good point, which is, and I think this is indicative, like Andy, we were talking about with sports movies. The best sports movies capture the essence of what goes around sports. And we kind of talked about that at the beginning, how how joyous it was to watch the Rangers do well, right? Because it made Melissa happy and it made Andy happy. And we were all rooting for each other as a function of the team that we supported. And and I think good sports movies capture that, right? Not Not that sports is just sports, but it's there's community and there's, you know, individual buy-in, right? There's all these other factors that go into what sports are. And, and I think that's why I'm really glad, you know, Melissa, we got to watch this because Bull Durham is, is about that. Bull Durham is, you know, a team, like there's this team where everybody's, everybody wants the hex to come off of Jose's glove, right? <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody wants to get, 
Millie the right thing for her. Yeah, everybody wants to get Millie the right thing, even though they don't know what they're doing. Like, it's 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 representative of you know a bunch of people working together for a common goal and and a team and a community that people rally around. Right, like the bus pulls in and there's people waiting for them, even when they lose. You know, there's there's all those factors, and and a lot of sports movies, like you said, don't get that right. Um, and I and I think this one does. It's it's really nice to see characters grow, characters work together, and some some hilarious baseball in the background. Because you know, I hope when all of you speak of me, you speak of me well as well. So because <laughs> I'm going to tell everyone what pitches, <laughs> but no, I I agree completely, and you've all hit that point really well which is this is a movie about more than baseball and and that's what makes it such a good movie the more than baseball is what makes it work exactly uh, yep. i don't know yeah. if y'all are watching uh the series welcome to Wrexham. yes i was about to mention that like oh, that's a I, great fucking yes oh. it's a great show that shows it, it's a it's a lesser league team that's finally good and it's moving up and it's owned coincidentally by ryan reynolds and uh uh Rob uh, Mickelhenny and uh, they they bought this team and it's a crap team and the whole point is to get this team to advance to the next league so they can finally make some money so that's the main point but the show is more than just that it's about the entire community that is affected by this team the love and the passion they have for this team for this sport and how intertwined the team is with the community itself it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that that you said, uh, JB, about you know the fans are showing up. You know when the bus comes in, even if they don't win, is very much what the people at Wrexham do for their team. Like they support them, even though they're pissed off with them half of the time. There and, was an and- episode in this season where they got snowed on overnight, like unexpectedly, and they didn't think they'd have time to clear the field, and people came out with shovels. And cleared the field. Thing. That's like, a beautiful thing. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was pretty fucking awesome. That's amazing. And they I all think... used Mint Mobile to touch base with each other before they went <laughs> to the field. They're all drinking um, his, his gin. Hey, I'm look, young. I have Mint Mobile. I pay $250 for a full year of service, so fuck y'all. Like, hey, oh, and great. if it was only still Mint Mobile... Uh, it's still because who did he sell it to? Uh, T-Mobile. 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 It was always on the T-Mobile network. Nothing's yeah, I was gonna changed. say it's it's the same. No, mobile. Nothing's changed really. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, well, the only thing change is they said it. Uh, they gave me like five extra megabytes of data every month for the same price. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah, so don't yeah. make fun. No, I mean I, no, I'm not making fun at all. all. I'm not making I'm, fun. We're just saying that's I a really pay once easy. a year, and I'm done. Like I'm so yeah. happy. No, that's what we mean. Like it's pretty easy when you own the wireless company. Yeah, everybody on board. Um, and I think he sold the gin too, right? He did. Yeah, because yeah. he made like 1.3 billion in all of his sales of yeah. something last year. Like good. He doesn't good have to worry about money. Good for him. Yeah. Get that money. Yeah. yeah. Make Deadpool three by yourself for hell's sakes. Hurry up. With it, <laughs> Get Hugh Jackman's traps back and let's get this going. Oh man, that's, he's, that's he's single now, wild. so he has plenty of time to work out. That's true. Get Getting, single. Yeah, going with all of them to Chiefs games. <laughs> that's true. Anyway, um, Jesus, all right. Hugh Swifty. <laughs> Any anything else we want to talk about this movie before we 
move along. Is that everything? Uh, that's yeah, quite a bit. So, so yeah, so JB mentioned the box office on this uh, released June 15th, 1988 uh, and uh, made 50, 50 million, 50.8 million. Uh, so almost 51 adjusted for inflation. Uh, that would be 130 million. So not too shabby. That's not a, bad. that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big hit. And yeah, off of uh, a, a fairly small budget, um, racking up those, those Golden Globe and Oscar nominations. And, and it was up against, I remember it was so big came out and then coming to America mm-hmm. and then it was, was it Red Heat? <laughs> Didn't that come out around the same? <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was Red Heat, Roger Rabbit, and Coming to America. And then one of uh, Roy Fillmore's favorite movies, License to Drive, was right after that with the Corys. The Corys. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, because I remember that because it was the Die Hard summer. Um, yeah. So you had to hurry and get everything watched before Die Hard came out, uh, which I think was end of June. So it And it made a lot of money considering... I mean that's a that's some good competition for yeah. what kind of movie it is. And and uh I and especially for an R-rated movie, like generally um R-rated movies have a harder time of you know making a lot because, you know, uh kids can't buy tickets to get in. So uh unless you get the three kids in a trench coat thing going on. <laughs> but then they're only buying one ticket still. And uh, by the way, that's the anyway, worst, that's the worst Beck song. Three little kids in a trench coat. Yeah, anyway, sorry. That was uh, that was bad, JB. Right. Oh, oh, oh my god. Odalay. <laughs> All right. Odalay. Um, <laughs> what what studio notes do we have for this film? Almond milk, not cow milk. Way easier to clean up. Save the cows. <laughs> yeah, it's easier on the tile. It comes right up. You can throw it around your significant other all you want. So that's my quit only throwing story. bowls into the sink. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? I, I like I, how all our studio notes are like, who's in charge of this house? No like, shit, man, like it, am I am I this poor that it hurt me to see some guy just break his bowl just to get Yeah, some? she only works part time yeah. at the college people. Come on. I know. Man, she yeah, yeah. There's no way she makes a living wage Heck at that. Man. She had to like Someone must have left her some money or something. Yeah, yeah. It is unrealistic mm-hmm. how she lives in that house and everything uh, on a part-time teacher salary. You know, and you know she's a teacher so she can go watch the games <laughs> this summer. She has the summers off. Um, but, yeah, that's not realistic. You sort of have to suspend your disbelief a little on that. Um, I will say the one student, the one thing that truly bugs me about this movie um and this is something going back to major league as well why is the latino always into fucking voodoo well yeah why why does jose have the curse why can't it be you know why can't Uh, they do some christian thing to get it off of the you know the other yeah (laughs) Yeah, why why isn't the guy who's sharing his testimony blessing his bat and like praying (laughs) i think i think that's that's got us here in the first place yeah That's a good one, kid. I like. We got to remember that one. <laughs> Where's the rosary beads? That's that's the 
That's what we missed here. <laughs> All you know, milk voodoo, voodoo isn't even a, a Latino thing. That's, no. that's, a Haitian, that's a Haitian thing. Yeah. I don't yeah. like they didn't even get that right. Like we you have, wouldn't yeah. That. You wouldn't waste a chicken. Hey, all that. Latinos are the same. It's 1988. All Latinos are the same. Right? Oh, yeah, they're all yeah, very. Just, just throw yeah. voodoo in there. They they, they they do that shit. Fair skinned yeah. Jose is Jose even Latino in the movie? Because oh, he was he was pretty fair skinned, right? Are we come in all. Excuse colors, me, baby. I'm fair skinned too, <laughs> bastard. Yeah, we, we come in all say. colors. I'm just gonna no, say though, it was he's, played he's by a guy Jimmy. named Rick Marzan. See, uh, was born in South Carolina. <laughs> what did I just say? You guys oh, can suck it. <laughs> Mar- Marzan is an actual Spanish last name, so it could be, but uh, we don't have to. Say I that. to me, it seemed like we're, we're born Latino everywhere, day. JB. Not, not I'm just, just saying, if they cast it in Italian, <laughs> what are you gonna do about it, Marco? <laughs> I'm here. I'm trying to stick up for you. You guys are giving me shit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> trying to back you up for them hiring some Italian guy to do. Hey, leave my, my leave my Italian Latinos alone. <laughs> okay, I'm looking him up. Hold Forget on about it. Let's see if he's actually. Oh, he he's he resides in Charleston, splitting his time in Sweden. You guys can kiss my ass, okay? Okay. he can't ski. <laughs> he can't ski. In I know. Yeah. Apparently, Latinos aren't allowed to fucking spend time in Latinos Europe. Latinos don't ski. Why would you? Or I'm thinking of Switzerland. I don't know. One so anyway, Marsan. <laughs> Damn Sweden ski resort. Switzerland. Get up and learn something. Quiet. So Mar- the surname Marsan is actually Spanish. It's from Galicia. So it's a very, very, very Spanish name. So y'all, you could suck it. May I? Well, I know a lot of Spanish last names Honestly, that are Italian. Okay, maybe I made an assumption because I'm used to Latinos always having the weird religion or being the stinky ones that in movies in the 80s, like or the thieves or whatever. Like, you know, I'm always going to go to the worst place because that's where we were always portrayed and where we're often still portrayed. Hey, and listen, my role is to say, did they actually cast a Latino? Because you've taught me that too, right, Melissa? Like, did we yeah. did we cast a white guy from Jersey to yeah. be a Latino? Right? Uh, South yeah. Carolina. So I'm just checking Rick Marzan, who it looks <laughs> Was to be Michael in Peng front in of this a movie. Yes he or no? looks to be in front of a pizza oven in this picture I'm looking at. So I don't want to say shit, Mark, about Italians, but hey, Mark. Right? Mar- Marzan but if is, he's Italian is, in Bull Durham, he wouldn't be into fucking voodoo. But if he's exactly. a Latino, he will be into fucking voodoo. I just want I, you to click yeah. on that link, Marco, and tell me what you think about this picture of I, him I'm in not front going of a to. pizza oven. I'm not going to. I, I, I don't want to. I, I'm going to say that coming from Southern California, some of the best pizza I've ever had was made by Latinos. I told you, he's in front of a All the best food you've ever had is made by Latinos. Who do you think yeah. works in all the kitchens? Yep. 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 We're everywhere. There I know, go. but Italians make The best food Chinese too. food you've ever had is probably made by, by a Mexican. In the, the words of Anthony Bourdain, yep. if you deport all the Latinos from the U.S., no you will have food. nothing to eat. Yep. No, just Chipotle. <laughs> No, Chipotle. <laughs> the whitest Mexican food you'll Fuck ever that shit. <laughs> Ugh, I hate that you'll place. Still have to pay uh, extra no, for cheese. No, it gets it gets it gets whiter. What's that place? Cafe Rio. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Cafe Rio. The one with the with the with the melty cheese. It's a it's a basically a Chipotle knockoff from Utah. No, yeah, that's Cafe Rio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like cafe- a cafeteria. Yeah. So you walk up and you order. Oh my they god! They put a tortilla in a. a 
stainless steel or a tin foil, and then you just walk through and what they put the stuff fuck? in your thing and then they wrap it up at the end. Oh god. Yeah. yeah I, those those salads are it's good. Whiter. I wouldn't mind that if there was good shit to put in there, but well, I, mean, okay, I so bet they, it's not very good. They have a honey pork and what they do is they take shredded pork <laughs> and they pour they pour a two liter bottle of Dr. Pepper in it. Oh, oh my god. god. And then they add a cup of sugar and they shake it. Oh my and god. Apparently how they make their honey pork. No. So no. I, yeah, that's I think that's voodoo, guys. I'm not gonna say <laughs> <laughs> I think some Italian voodoo. I mean, but, but that's the racist thing because it's not Santeria. No. Is it? it's anyway, I'm okay. Anyway, so enjoy your pizza picture there, Mark. <laughs> okay. Any other studio notes? <laughs> so I I have one that that may or may not be popular. Okay. Okay. I one. Who the frack is named Ebby? Like, who names their kid Ebenezer <laughs> and then calls them Ebby for short? That's just dumb. But two, like, I know he had a five cent head, but could he have had like a fifty cent head? Could he have been just less annoyingly dumb? Yeah. Like, be naive and you know make mistakes and. You know, but don't just oh, he's just dumb as a bag of rocks. Oh, you need to be around and dull more. as fuck too. He's dull. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and it's like, you know, when he, when they have that conversation and she's like going into her like, you get three ants together, they can't do dick. You get three hundred million, they can build a cathedral, and he's like that like this really sexy monologue from Kevin Costner, and then hey Annie, what's all this molecule stuff? It's like it could have been it, it could have been just better written, I yeah. think. It was towards the end though, I I did appreciate him. Now, him bringing his dad to meet her, that was weird and not even telling her. Um, but he got better towards the end at least. But yeah, but, he did. Yeah, I I he agree. Did. He he's just uh yeah, he's pretty useless at first outside of, you know, pitching. He's pretty useless. Well, he was useless at pitching too. Yeah, that's true. At first. He was all over the place. Like it, like how he fucks. Yep, eighteen walks and eighteen yep. strikeouts. <laughs> League record. Oh, funny. Any any other studio notes from from Marker JB? <laughs> I, I still have another one. Oh, you've got oh, more? Okay. Yeah, go for it. Do it. So I'm still going to assume that the voodoo guy is Latino because it's 1988, okay? Right, right. But um, the other thing is I don't for a second believe that that team would be so white. There's got to be more Latinos <laughs> and black people on the fucking team. And I said this when we did Best Little Horror House in Texas. There was one black dude on an entire baseball team, the or the football team, the Aggie All football team. team. Yeah. There's no fucking way. Sorry. Yeah. Nope. I agree. It, it depends on I what mean, year it was. I'm checking. It was 1980. 19- 88. Well, that, no, mean, that's when it was filmed. Was it set, was in, it 1988, set in 1988, though? Yeah, that, that's the big question. Those yes. Old. I was, okay. I was thinking about this as we watched it. Like, what year is this supposed to be? Because everyone drives, like, older cars, but there were certain things that showed up that's like, oh, no, this is this is the 80s. This is contemporary. 
Um, I'm looking at their current roster, and there are not as many Latinos or African Americans as you would expect, even on the current Durham Bulls. So, I mean, it's definitely it's better. The than the, yeah, it's definitely better than the, it's why the they, current the one in this movie. It's why they were losing yeah. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my mic drop <laughs> that's what you get <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah i i don't know i mean i don't think our triple a team is uh but we're in utah so i, I mean, guess if, I if the movie was written by somebody who played in the minor leagues then obviously it was during it wasn't during the 80s that he's the perspective he was writing from wasn't from the 80s must have been mid to late seventies, maybe. Let's see when. Let's see when was Ron Shelton playing baseball? Uh, that is a nineteen sixty-seven through nineteen seventy-one. So there you go. There it is. I mean, that's still that's still not like, but there were still Latinos and black people in. Uh, in baseball at that point. And so. I, have to take I mean, that. there was Roberto Clemente and that's it. Well, now I have to take my almond milk comment back because there's no almond milk in Yeah, your your percentage was uh, was definitely lower and probably in the minor leagues, especially because Durham at that time was a, it was a double A, right? In the movie, it's not a triple A team, right? It's a low right. A. I think yeah, it's a single A. Yeah, so it's it, yeah. You generally you either have your really young um, Latino ball players, right? The ones you're drafting in seventeen, eighteen year old, or your older Caucasian guys, right? So, and maybe so. And so I, Kit's, so I'm just saying, guys. Kit's point is completely valid. Those the good players are probably triple A or in the majors. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but still good call. Yeah. Um, nice cars for 1967 though. They were, they were rocking those eighties cars. But, but that said, I still would have, you know, it's the eighties put, put somebody on screen who isn't like completely white. I, I agree with you, Melissa. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, look at didn't care, though. who cares about real life? Representation. Representation now, yeah, but back then, I mean, it just wasn't a thing. I just think well, we, gotta, we should just get rid of the voodoo. But, but Mark, I mean, think the Sandlot comes out four years after this, and yeah, those kids are yeah. still like, there's, you know, there's a black kid. There's a there's the one. main character is there's Latino. One. Yeah, there's one. Like, yeah. There's not that many kids, though. It's not like a full team, right? Isn't there just yeah. like five main characters? There's like seven, I think. So you have a Latino, right. you have an African American, and you have a redhead. You have the redhead, you've got Candles, the kid in the glasses, though. and you've got Smalls. <laughs> we could do without yeah. gingers. Come on. I think we can I all to, agree. I had to throw you the ginger softball there, Mark. You have a little I have to disagree with you. That kid freaking made know, that movie. We always tell Mark the ginger. All the best lines were We always tell Mark the ginger softball. Knock it out. 
<laughs> oh, another ginger in this movie. Another okay. guy named Ginger. <laughs> Probably Italian. <laughs> See if I, he's in I front am... of a pizza oven. <laughs> I am pro having redheads in movies. <laughs> and he always I'm, sticks up uh, for him. I'm pro having female redheads in movies. Yeah. The boys too. I, hey, well, whatever floats your boat, man. Yeah. There's some people who like that too, so mm-hmm. that's that's fine. Um anyway. I, I just want people who actually can play the game they're being filmed in, right? That's the one yeah. thing I appreciate about Costner is he actually can play baseball. So that was super helpful. Um and when they film all these baseball movies of him. So kudos yeah. to people who can actually play the game. That That's because he's actually a water mutant. <laughs> he uses his gills to swing. <laughs> Mutation! I would never, uh, I would okay. never ditch Susan Sarandon for Gene Triplehorn. Let's just get that out there. Oh, I so would. <laughs> still have not seen that movie don't wish to no you're fine just watch the simpsons version of it where he just walks for five <laughs> seconds and then needs 20 more quarters that's the best part of Waterworld. um <laughs> uh, any any other studio notes okay here we are one-liners or quotes Who's got you know what you are line? a bunch of lollygaggers <laughs> Hell yeah, oh, man. I still so call people lollygaggers and always think of this movie. <laughs> yeah, always. It, it would like fondly think of this movie when I call them lollygaggers. Most of the people at work don't get it, but you know. I don't, I don't know if there is a bad line in this. I mean, the whole Charlie, here comes the deuce line is so great. <clears throat> I mean, the, the, the whole thing where she's where she's interviewing both of them, where they both get the great lines in. I mean, he hits the bull, he gets a freaking steak. Anything that gets out of here should have a damn stewardess on. I mean, it's just so many funny. Yeah. I mean, we, and to Melissa, to your point, we still say, maybe find out where you're registered and get a place setting or a silverware pattern. (laughs) Andy, I know you've said strikeouts are boring besides they're fascist. You've said that multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) Throw some brown balls. They're democratic. That's like Andy Wilson line. That is very much an Andy quote. I think, I think this, this movie helped uh, shape my philosophy on baseball. (laughs) You want to like, I don't want to see the pitchers duel. I want, I want I want some bats. I want some hits. Yeah, uh, strikeouts are fascist. I yep. I wouldn't go that far, but that's um, yeah. I I like that line. And we all know Mark wants a quadraponic blau punk. So. I do. Hit. What's your line? What have you got? <laughs> Which one did you like the most? Um, it's okay. I have to I have to do the the thing. So it's a little longer. Where it's like. Well, what do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul, the cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch. By the way, when I heard this, I thought that he was ta- saying that there was a high fiber good scotch. And I was like, I'm here for it. <laughs> that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. Agreed. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve. And I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. And then he drops the mic and her panties fall on the floor. <laughs> yeah. 
that was that was my quote too. I agree with about half of that. I I agree with a lot of it. I, don't I agree with most of it. I don't I don't like the I've never liked the designated hitter because oh, yeah. um, why. I, I don't want to see one instant out every turn through the rotation, and that's basically what the pitcher hitting is. Also, pitchers getting hurt because they don't know how to swing a bat is stupid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's I don't true. agree with that at all, okay? Yeah. They're better off with the okay. DH. Um, let let hitters hit and pitchers pitch, okay? Um, unless you're Shohei Otani, of course. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you've got Shohei Otani, sure. Yeah, but, of course, like, but yeah, yeah. yeah, other there's mm. never been a Shohei Otani. You, you know what I'm saying? There's only one. Uh, anyway, uh, and I don't agree about opening Christmas presents uh, Christmas Day. Every Mexican opens them Christmas Eve. Every one of them. So fuck you on that. But other than that, yes. <laughs> I, and I, uh, I just, yeah. I just know, like, I'm gonna try taking my fiber powder that says it goes in any liquid other than or like carbonation yeah. fiber and try it. <laughs> you know, see how it goes. That'll really clean you out real fast. Yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna feel great yeah. doing it too. I hope you can find your way to the toilet after the fiber. <laughs> You better maybe take a half dose when you start. <laughs> One round That's is right. full. One Let's shot. Let's do a small round. It's Stir half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, M- Melissa, I I agree on the Christmas Eve yeah. thing because I'm like I have no control. <laughs> I want to do stuff the next yeah. day. I was waiting for Andy's Oswald comments, but uh, no, I I agree. Oswald acted alone. There you go. Yeah, so I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, we we want to believe in big conspiracy theories because we want to believe that senseless violence has more meaning than it actually does. He spent time in Russia. So did I. Oh, (gasps) it all connects. I worry. See, I'm just Andy's Illuminati. I'm that means Andy's in on it. He's covering up the JFK assassination. He's been to Russia. That's why he's telling us to shut up. And he acted alone. Yep, it all adds up. That's it. Andy's eyelids are jammed, and his whole band's here. (laughs) We need a live rooster. I think Andy believes in cabbage (laughs) stew, based on what I heard about Russia. Uh, Just one pot of cabbage stew, right? Dude, I will make you the meanest cabbage stew I that will it. knock your sock off, socks off. Yeah. Amazing. And but not being able to use you delicious. in words. That's the other thing I remember about Russia. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of facking. Uh, everybody, everybody, <laughs> yeah. Fack Andy. Hey, America, fack you. Andy. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I just remember Andy loves Spice Girls. Yes. Like, that's my association with Russia. Yep. Yep. We need to redo that line for Andy with like Spice Girls and Robert Smith and Cabbage yeah. Stew. I believe in Spice Girl. I believe in Ginger Spice and the rest of the Spice Girls. I believe in Cabbage Stew. I believe. Uh, <laughs> Oswald acted alone. Sure. Of course you do. Yeah. We did we stopped trusting you after you said ginger spice. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You said ginger spice, Mark was like, we're done here. Oh yeah. Yeah, y'all can keep the rest. 
Jerry Hallowell. <laughs> no, I mean, I like the I like the other ones, but there is a definite like tier list for me. Yeah. Of like wh- where I I have opinions about which Spice Girls I like the most. Yeah, Baby Spice is the bottom. No, I I I, I like Emma better than I like Posh. I don't oh, like Posh. As I like much. Posh. No. Like posh Dan, you can keep Victoria Beckham, man. How posh and sporty looking identical. I'm gonna really enjoy yeah. the Facebook post you put up and about ranking the Spice Girls. Ranking the Spice Girls. We're gonna have to do that. We can all agree I, that we'll have to do a poll. we can all agree that Ginger Spice is at the very top, right? I can. Yeah. I, I said I, we can all agree. I mean, I I have Ginger and Baby probably top two. Which I know, baby, really? Yeah. Um, Can I can I bring something up, you guys? Yeah, Melissa. Sure. (laughs) Like we were talking baseball. We have gone way off topic. (laughs) So, so the dude's name is Jose. So fuck you. He's 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 a goddamn Latino. Yes, he is. Okay, I just I just remembered this. I don't know why it's coming to me because I'm like. Which quote do I use when it's my turn? Like, there's so many fucking good quotes in this movie. And I was like remembering about um, how he's saying uh, Nuke's scared because his eyelids are jammed. His old man's here. and We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove. (laughs) And uh, and I was like, wait a minute. He's Latino. Shut up. You don't know why a person named his kid Jose. (laughs) Like, there's no way. I love the train of thought you just. Yep. <laughs> yes. We're dealing with a lot of shit. <laughs> and we. Uh, and Jose's real name is Ray or whatever. Rick. Probably. <laughs> oh <All right>. man. <laughs> any any other one liners? I think we should leave it at that. That's a great that's a great yeah. Line to end that's the perfect game. Mm-hmm. Okay, then who's the best side character? Robert Wall. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta give it to Wall. Um man. Millie's pretty good too. Yeah. But Wall Wall's Wall's top of the heap. He's the ginger spice of side characters in this movie. <laughs> Does that make Millie the baby spice and imply that no. baby spice is No, for me it makes her the melting. We all agree that baby spice is at the bottom. Except for me. We've all agreed. No, I can't agree. Uh, my favorite side I, I character is actually Bob Euchre. I hate to say. <laughs> Not I think in the, the, annou- the announcer crew it really adds an extra. I mean, Robert awesome. Wool is great, but Euchre okay. and the other guy add a really nice I, I prefer him in Major League. I like agree. He starts cussing and he's like, why? Nobody's watching anyway. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I love him in that movie. He's so good. I love him in all the Miller Lite commercials from the 80s. What did he say? One hit? That's all? We got one fucking hit or something yep. like that? I was like, yep. That's how it feels to be a Rangers fan a lot of times. Not this year, but in a lot. Not this year, but previously. Yeah, that's true. He is great. And I mean, what a great crossover that nobody cared. They're like, great, Euchre's in all of these movies. We don't give a shit. He can be the same character. <laughs> <laughs> keep putting him in. That's what... That's what um, Field of Dreams did wrong, Mark. No, yeah, Bob it was Euchreless. Yeah, it should have been Euchre and James Earl Jones in the booth. <laughs> um, okay. What of uh, any other favorite side characters? Okay, this is going to be fun. Best song. 
Ooh. Oh. Put me in, coach. We do love our John Fogarty. Uh, we love John Fogarty. But, 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 it, it's got to be uh, Evipiaf's uh, Lovey and Rose. That's a good one. Born to be bad is good. It's a good, thorough, good song. Try a Little Tenderness is a great song. Mm. Great song. That, yeah. I I like this Try a Little Tenderness, but it's not the it's not my favorite version of Try a Little Tenderness. I can see uh, that. I'll take Commitments or Otis Redding only. Yeah. But the Otis Redding one is it has to be Otis. Uh, uh, it has to be Otis, yeah. 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 Um when a when a woman loves a man, the Joe Cocker song is good too. That's pretty good. I mean, but, this this has got a lot of good songs in it. it so, I mean, anytime you get a fabulous Thunderbird song, <laughs> I love me some that. I love me said. some Thunderbirds. <laughs> um, best kill or death? Did anybody die in this movie? Just his career at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, my God! I got say, sad. So Kevin quick. Costner's career died with. Didn't Dickie. he hit? Did he hit something? Didn't he hit somebody? He hit a, he hit the bull on the sign, so that ball died. He hit it so That's hard. <laughs> the 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 mirror died when he. Oh yeah. Ooh, ooh the bowl of cereal. That's the bowl of cereal. R.I.P. cereal. R.I.P. Bowl. We will always remember. We stand a legend. Yeah, we barely knew. The can of they used on Tim Robbins. Yeah. His giant hair. Oh, yeah. That died. Giant hair, Tim Robbins. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the can of hairspray that they used on him died. Because, anyway. Yeah, he looked decent at the end. Is this a good movie? It's an Fuck incredibly yeah. good movie. Yeah. It's a good movie. Hell yeah. Good call, Melissa. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is the main character a good person? And choose your own who you think the good, the main character is. And he is a great person. Yes. Yep. Annie's great. Crash is great. Nuke is. She's too the narrator. Stupid. She has to be the main character. Yep. Nuke is too stupid to be good or bad. Oh god. So the other two are good. <laughs> yeah. He lacks the intellectual capacity to, yeah. be, to understand good and evil. Therefore, we're gonna have to give neutral. him. We're gonna have to give him the cliche so he knows if he's a good person or not. <laughs> Write it down. I am a good person. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yes, I agree. Annie is the main character, and yes, she is a good Agreed. person. Should we show this to children? I mean, well, aside from the sex scene, uh, probably not. Like in its whole entirety. Well, how old are the children? They're they're gonna start getting ideas and throwing cereal around the kitchen and not cleaning it up, or maybe just want to go to baseball games, and that's okay. I, I feel like when I've watched this with with like teenagers or young adults, they don't really get the relationship part like mm-hmm. but they they watch the baseball, the dramatic stuff, right? Like you can't yeah. water if you fell out of fucking boat, like that kind of stuff. So I think you can show it to them. They might catch like 50 percent of it, but I think it won't really mean anything to them until they're late teens early 20s maybe yeah so i mean i saw this movie for the first time when i was like 11 12 yeah i was pretty but it was on tv too. no i would say 11 12 is okay yeah so i would say the tv edit would be totally the tv fine edit to totally fine yeah yeah 
the weird thing she was doing with her feet where you thought she was getting oral sex, but it's just like a foot rub. <laughs> was it a foot rub? I mean, that was disappointing. Pretty good foot rub. Studio note, which one is it? <laughs> Be more clear, TV version. <laughs> oh. No, just take that out. All right. Um... <laughs> That's it for Bull Durham. Thank you so much, Yay. Melissa. This is such a great... Yay. Happy birthday, yeah, Melissa. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yay, Rangers. Happy Rangers. I'm really excited and for now, the next part. And now we have a very special announcement of our next trilogy of alternative Christmas movies uh, or alternative holiday movies. They don't have to be Christmas movies. I should have clarified that although all of these ended up being christmas themed uh brooke is not here to give hers so i will announce it for her uh this year christmas means carnage oh that's right we're talking about babe oh yeah big death so, oh, such a good movie. Speaking Christmas of honey carnage. pork, bring oh. back the mark. I've never seen this movie. What? Oh, never well, I've never seen the one I picked either. That's why I picked it. Ooh. Oh, well, tell us what that one is. My alternative Christmas movie is uh, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Good choice. I love that movie. Uh, That's a great film. I'm so excited. I'm gonna have to watch it again. I remember that being really boring. Oh, you're not allowed to that. Shots fired. You might have watched <laughs> Bang Bang Kiss Kiss, which is probably why. Maybe. Yeah, that was a Spice Girls film, I think. That's what it, was. <laughs> <laughs> it was during that period after Ginger Spice had left, so it really yeah. wasn't as good. And... Bang Bang Kiss Kiss. What you really, really want? <laughs> Such a dumb song. Yeah, it's a movie anyway. without foreplay. We just learned we need kisses that last for three days. It's just Tim Robbins. Three Tim, days. Tim Robbins' butt and almond milk forever. Forever. <laughs> and Kit, you've got an alternative holiday Ooh, movie. Kit. Uh, that is. I yeah. picked Spirited, oh, even though oh, I, love that movie. I think it probably was going to be an instant classic on par with Elf. But if you haven't seen it yet, I really think yay. you should. So I've never seen any of these movies. That's awesome. Oh, this is going to be awesome. <sighs> well, that's perfect because that's the whole idea is like, let's expand what we would normally watch at this time of year and broaden our horizons yay. a little bit. Um, and so we've got those is... three. <laughs> Mark's pick. Mark, do you, do you want a? Do you want a Christmas movie? Um, a holiday movie? Yeah, that's okay. I was yeah. That means you so have to care. participate again, Mark. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I wasn't invited, so whatever. Okay. You should come and t- and watch them and talk yeah. anyway, especially since you love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Love movie. And I love Spirit Away. Yep. I love, I love that movie. Well, I love Spirited Away too, but. We're going to, we're watching Spirited, Spirited the, which is not Spirited. Oh, but it's Will Ferrell and, and Ryan Reynolds singing and oh, dancing. That one. It's that one. Oh, shit. About existential With crises. The eight voice um, Instagram clip they did that got so popular 
where they sang mm-hmm. over each other. Oh, I don't think oh my good gosh. afternoon. So Ryan Reynolds starts singing it, and then Will Ferrell comes in in character, and they do like a round, like eight different voices. <laughs> it's so good, and it was the it was kind of like the pseudo trailer for Spirited, where they just did it off the cuff. It's really good. So yeah, I have to be fun. This. And Andy, fun. Andy knows my Christmas movie is always Die Hard, which is why we didn't use mine. Just which is it. why we're not doing that yeah, one. Because yeah. mine's always just just watch Die Hard again for me, please. Yeah, yep. or Lethal mm-hmm. Weapon, but don't watch that alone. But enough enough people are watching Die Hard as their alt Christmas movie anyway, and the the debate about whether it's a Christmas movie or not. It doesn't even matter. We don't need to have it on this podcast. Agreed. Because it's its own franchise. It is. If we're going to do Die Hard, we're going to do all the Die Hards. And yes, we have to sit through a good day to Die Hard. Damn. (laughs) You invoke that. Which that even isn't the worst Die Hard. You know what? Jai Courtney should have died in real life making that movie. Wow. He did. He became Joel. He did. He became Joel Kinnaman. A hot take. <laughs> Shut up. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so that's our, our trio. Babe, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Spirited. Awesome. Uh, a good what great a good movies. flight of Christmas nog um for everyone. A, and a then ginger spice worthy nog, in fact. I'm depressed that Spirited Away isn't a choice. It was. It, well, you just, uh, you I didn't, was excited. You didn't add the word, so you, you're stuck with Spirited. I mean, it, you know, if if Miyazaki made a Christmas movie, then we could totally do that. But I would, I mean, Spirited Away is like one of the best movies of the 21st century. I love that movie. So, like, yeah. you know, I'm maybe we'll I protest. We'll have to we'll have to keep Miyazaki on the. We just need to Miyazaki is on one of those like burner we just for need next a year. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's so tough because anyway. now there's so many Miyazakis. It's like, yeah, I kind of just want to do them all. But, uh, Patreon next year. Patreon next year. Yeah, after we get done with Hitchcock, let's do Miyazaki, sure. Uh, so that will be in 2027. Damn. Uh, after we're done with <laughs> See y'all later, man. Um, oh, but, but the other announcement, just FYI, after we're done with the Christmas movies, uh, we are moving into Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Oh, uh, sweet. Just, oh, in, I'm, I'm, just in time okay. to meet your love at the Empire State Building. On I am probably going to have to be in for those. Good. We'll be ready around the, yeah. uh, the holidays, and we will totally bring you in. Mm. Yeah, uh, we'll orange just soda, a must. Volcano. Yeah, throw Mark in the volcano in the right. first one. Oh yeah, it'll it'll cure his brain cloud with his luggage. Yeah, with his luggage. You're so full of birria, it might blow you out just like it did Tom Hanks. There'll be a volcano Spoiler the alert. around with all that birria I've been eating. <laughs> okay, thanks everybody. Thanks again, Melissa, for amazing baseball Yay. movie. Uh, Yay. Yeah. Uh, see y'all later. Good, Good afternoon. Night. Throw back your head and kiss it all goodbye. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all.
Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye.